me some years now, has been um, preaching the gospel and, and visiting the churches. And uh, so wherever he went, sharing the gospel and, and encouraging the, the believers and, and helping establish more churches. And, and uh, God's been using him greatly. And uh, so we are coming to the point now, if you recall, we have uh, just left Ephesus and uh, or, or actually Melita, but it was there that he had met up with the pastors of Ephesus and uh, now they are sailing home and he wants to get back to Jerusalem and be there for the day of Pentecost and all the celebrations of that time. And uh, so we come into chapter 21 and here we're going to see the rest of that uh, uh, trip that he has in the, the first eight verses where we're going to see Paul's dedication to the ministry and how it can, and this is the final journey of, of this uh, third missionary journey. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coos, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Patara. So here they are, they're on the ship, and they're and they're in the Mediterranean, and so they're slowly headed uh, south and east and heading for uh, the uh, back to uh, Judea where he wants to be. And finding a ship, sailing over into Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyr, for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. So the ship they were on, they were going in, and, and it was there that they were going to uh, get rid of all that was on the boat, and they'd been carrying it, and, and so they're dropping their load. And, and while they're there, it says that in finding disciples, we tarried there seven days. So it took a while to unload the ship, and, and uh, they're, now they're up in the very northern part of, of Judea, and we know that they need to continue to drop down and drop south, and, and they're going to get on some other ships and come on down later. But for now, we see that he knew that they were going to be there a while. And typical Paul, if, if there's not a synagogue to go to, he goes in and, and he finds the disciples. He finds those that are believers and constantly seeking them out and, and trying to help them and encourage them and lift them up. And, and here, I, I think it ought to, to show us the importance that, that it is that we continue to encourage each other as believers and to... Uh, make that a ministry. That's something that we can all do, and, and we need to uplift them. And I, I enjoyed last week, I, or I guess this week, it all runs together after a while, but, you know, going into a, another church and a body of believers and being able to encourage them. And, and you know what I find is amazing is that uh, uh, congregations, it's just the way it is. I, I don't know if they... Uh, I don't know, they get tired of their pastor or whatever, but you can preach something and, and you, you can preach almost the same message, but somebody new comes in and preaches it and, and all of a sudden people hear something that they haven't heard. And it, it's really funny, I was talking to Brother Dewey up there and he said, you know, sometimes you almost get jealous because it's like they come to you and they say, pastor, you know, the guest speaker, he's talking on this and it really burdened my heart for this. And he's like, I just preached that last week. You know, and, and but it does, and and that's okay. I I've gotten way past that to where God uses His word however way that He wants, whenever He wants to. And sometimes a a person's heart, the the ground just isn't in that 
in that condition yet to receive the word. And so God uses it however way that he wants. But how, how important it is that we go in and we encourage other believers and, and help them. And, and Paul sought that. I mean, he, wherever he went, he was always given the gospel and wanted to see people saved, but he was also doing his best to encourage those that were believers. And, and he tarried there seven days. He said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. So once again, they uh, comes to another group of believers, and here they are telling him the same thing that this entire missionary journey uh, since he had gotten into Ephesus and said that, hey, I, I want to get back in time for the Pentecost. I want to be there to, to uh, worship uh, uh, during that time. And, and since then, everyone, all the believers along the way have told him, Paul, you don't want to go. Don't go. You, you will die if you go there. And, and it will not be good. And, and here, once again, he was warned again. And, and, but we see his dedication to this even with all of this, we see that he continues to push forward and, and how much he was loved. And look at verse 5. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave, one of another, we took ship and they returned home again. I, I just see the time that that was invested in these people and 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 how much it meant to them and how much they loved Paul for what he was doing and and truly that is what what we ought to be doing and I I wrote the the passage down but Second Corinthians chapter twelve and verse fifteen Paul was writing to the 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 church there at Corinth he actually wrote to them three different times but only two was preserved by God and obviously inspired by God but. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and uh, verse 15, this is what he tells them. He says, and I will very gladly spend, and so to spend freely and be spent for you, to be spent completely, to, to be exhausted for you. And though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And, and so that he was telling the Corinthians, hey, you, you guys really aren't appreciating this, but it's okay because I am willing to be spent for you. And, and here we see his entire attitude. It wasn't just for the Corinthian church. We see here that, that Paul was willing to reach out to whoever and, and talk and encourage them and, and help them and, and oh, how, how we need to do more of that. And, you know, I, uh, I, I just, it, it, it has to be something that, not just the pastor does, but it has to be something that all of us need to be willing to do to help fellow brethren to be lifted up and encouraged and, and sharing the gospel and seeing people saved and, and use each one of us to be that. And, and here we see that those men that do that, those ladies that do that, and, and here in this case it's a man, and, and, and here we see and know that in all this time invested, it truly meant something. I mean, they, they were holding on to him, and they were crying, and they were weeping, and, and the leaders of Ephesus had done the very same thing. And, and then we see that they come together, and this is the men, women, and children, and, and it's there on the seashore, and, and, and here's the, the boat that they're getting ready to get on, and, 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 the, and the ship, not necessarily a bunch of believers at all that run the ship, and here they are, they're watching this group of people come down and kneel down on the shore and pray. And hug each other and take leave of one another and, and move on their way. And when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemus and 
saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. So wherever they went, they were looking and trying to find those believers. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist. Do you remember, anyone remember what was Philip? We know that not only was he an evangelist, and we'll see that he was also one of the seven. One of the seven what? One of the seven deacons that was chosen back in Acts chapter 6. And so Philip was an evangelist, but he was also a deacon. But he was also, there's a, a part of history written about Philip and something that he did. Anybody remember what Philip did? Anybody remember what was recorded in Scripture that Philip did? Pardon? He, he witnessed to who? The Ethiopian. Remember that? And the Ethiopian was a very wealthy individual, and, and uh, he, he was reading in the book of Isaiah. And Philip came up to him and, and said, do you know who this is that Isaiah is writing about? And he says, no, I need somebody to explain it to me. Could you? And, and, and so Philip explains to him who the Messiah is, and, and, and the man uh, uh, asks to be saved, and he trusts Christ as his Savior. And then he says, what? What do I need to do to get baptized and let everybody know that I'm a disciple of Christ? And he said, do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, yes, I do. Well, then let's stop the, let's stop the chariot and we'll get out and there's a river right here and we'll baptize you right now and you can be identified with Christ. And so we see that recorded here in the book of Acts. And, and I believe that was in Acts chapter 8 where we see that. And, and so that was Philip doing one of the things that he does as a as an evangelist, an evangelist has the meaning of a preacher of the gospel. And so here he was proclaiming the word of God. And, and by this time now, when Paul comes to his home, Philip's been doing this for somewhere around 27 years. So by the time that the deacons were chosen in Acts chapter 6 until now we're coming to the very end of, of Paul's third missionary journey, there's 27 years have gone by. And he was one of the seven, and they abode with him. And so then we go on, though, and we see his determination. And, and I wonder if we would have, I, I hope that we have this kind of determination to uh, continue to stand for God and to walk with him and, and to uh, witness to others, because it says, and the same man had four daughters, virgins which did prophesy. And, and, and so here, all of, Philip, uh, all of Philip's family was serving in the ministry, and you know, that was one thing that I that I thought about in in ministry, and, and I hear this a lot. I, you know, I, I read articles sometimes, and some of them are good, some of them aggravate me. And you know, uh, and and uh, one of them is, um, you know, I I guess I have a philosophy of this: is that uh, you guys, you 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 pay me for my time. I mean that that is. And you actually, you pay me for my accessibility to you. I'm your shepherd. I ought to be around you. I ought to be, you know, there understanding what needs are that you have and praying for you. I need to, I need to be reading and studying and, and preparing messages to feed you also. I understand that. But, but oh, how I, I need to be a part of your life. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, I, I hear all these, I just read an article this week, and it just didn't sit right about how, the pastor needs to unplug and get away from the phone. And, 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 and honestly, it just rubs me wrong. It's, it's like you just have to have some of your own me time. 
give me a break. You know, I, 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 I hate the philosophy of today of how we have to have our me time. And, and you know, that there are down times where, you know, and, and I do have that. You know what I do? I, I do my best to not answer my phone first thing in the morning until I'm done with my devotions, until I'm done praying. And that's, if you want to call it me time, then that's my time with God. And even as important as you guys are, you're not that important. And I got to have that. And, and, and I have to have that in my life to, to make sure that I can be prepared to, to do what it is that I need to be. And, and uh, you know, these guys that, well, you just have to shut off your phone and you have, to, you have to have an appointed day off and don't do anything ministry related on that day off. And, you know, I, I don't know. I've been doing it 31 years and I haven't burnt out yet. And I don't have an official day off. I take days and do something. And, but usually on my day off, I'm doing something with somebody in the church. And so you're talking to them, witnessing, encouraging, whatever. And, and I don't mind that. I love that. And so it's just part of your life. And I was thinking about this, and, and, and I see so many pastors that it's almost like they lose their children in the ministry. And, and it seems like what they do so often is that it's dad's ministry and it's not ours. And, and so they're, and it's kind of like treated like a job. And, and so this is dad, dad's calling and it's not our calling. And hey, I, I didn't try to do that with my kids. I, I, I told them, I said, look, you don't have any choice in this because you were born into this family, but you're born into a ministry. And, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't have to make them. I just, we just did it. We just did the ministry together. And, and they grew up serving in the ministry. I, you know, I remember having people talk to me uh, about the kids homeschooling, and they say, oh, how you need to get your kids out. And, and, and you know, they, they need to be able to socialize, but they also need to serve in the community. And, and I had one woman tell me, I'm like, look, lady, if you knew half of what our kids do in, in working with other people, they, they truly put most of the kids to shame. The kids that, that are, and, and I, I just read this and thought this about Philip and how all his daughters here were involved in the ministry, and, and I, I thank God for that. I know my kids can, just like anybody else's, can take off into left field, but I praise the Lord right now that, that, that their heart and their mind is about a ministry and, and just serving and working with people and doing what God wants them to do and just get them involved and, and show them that, that, look, this church, this ministry is ours. It's all of us together. And, and we need to be involved. And those, those little kids that are up there with Tyler, hey, this is their church. This is their ministry. They, and we need to encourage them with that. I love hearing testimonies. You'd, uh, people drive by the church and, and this one little girl said, hey, that's my church. You know, and, and, and I love that. And, and, and uh, I, I, you know, we just need to involve them. The teens that are up there, all of you, this is our church. This is our ministry that God's given us. And, and we need to work together and be involved. And anyway, I know that's a lot out of that one verse nine, but I just thought it was neat that all of Philip's daughters were involved. And then we see Paul's determination here. And, and as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea, certain prophet named Agabus, and, and you can go back, and, and this prophet had been around for a while, because you can go back into Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30, and there we know, and see Agabus was mentioned earlier also, and, 
And so he's still a, 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 a prophet, and, and, and he's still in the ministry, and I'm encouraged by that too. I, I, uh, I, just, I had a good time in, in encouraging Brother Dewey, who's there in, in Meeker, and, and encouraging him to, hey, stick it out and stay and learn to love the community. He's been there five years. He's already been there about six months longer than the average stay of the pastor in that church. I said, stay in there and, and just stay and stick with it and, and, and stay in the ministry. And, and it's a blessing to see those that, that hang in there. And here Agabus had been doing that. And when he has come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, his belt, and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles." And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place beside him not to go up to Jerusalem. Once again, Paul, don't do this. Don't, we, we don't want you to go. We, we know that, that you're going to die. And, and, and the thing that, that they don't understand is that, that God has already been working in his heart and, and God had already shown him that, hey, you're going to get to Rome. And you're going to get there where, where you can witness to those that are in Rome. I'm going to get you there. And Paul knows that, but not everybody else. And they're fighting this because of the thing. Paul, you're never going to make it to Rome because as soon as you go into Jerusalem, you're going to die. And, and without God's help, he would have been. He would have died. But, and so here, they're all uh, clamoring around him. And then Paul answered, what mean you to weep and, and to break my heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember what he said back in verse 24 of the previous chapter? But none of these things move me, neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, Paul knew. He said, hey, he said, don't, you guys are weeping here, and you're breaking my heart. Think, you know, looking at the way that how sad you are about about these things that are you're you're so worried about me. And and look, you need to understand that that I, I, it's going to be okay if I die. So be it. So be it. I die, and I'll be in heaven, and and I'll have finished my course. And and but whatever it may be, and and I'm not worried about it at all. And I don't count my life dear at all. And so. It'll be okay. And when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, we cease saying, the will of the Lord be done. So they cease saying, oh, Paul, don't go, don't go. And instead, they came to the point where they said, thy will be done. And so they might not have, the will of the Lord be done, but they might not have been too happy about it, but they realized that, well, we're not going to convince him otherwise. And that, that's the determination that we ought to have in, in serving the Lord. I mean, one of the things about, about Paul that not only did he know that he wanted to get to Rome, but, but he had such a desire to see his fellow countrymen be saved. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Oh, he said, my, my desire is to see other Jews come to Christ as their Savior and, and see and know the, the joy that, that Christ can give. And, and so they, the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we 
took up our carriages and our provisions and went up to Jerusalem. There went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them one Manassan of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. So they came to his place, and it was there that they stayed. And And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Do you remember in our study of this, you remember when Paul had finished up on his first missionary journey, he'd gone back to Antioch, and, and then they had some questions because the Jews had brought up some questions. They weren't exactly uh, sure how to answer those about including the Gentiles, and, and do they need to make the Gentiles Jews, and do the, the, even if they trust Christ, do they still need to practice the Jewish traditions? And And if you recall, after that first missionary journey, they had uh, gone back into Jerusalem, and it was there that they sought uh, together the leadership. They determined that that, uh, the the Gentiles did not need to be Jews, but they they didn't, well, you'll see it a a little bit later, but there's just certain things that they didn't need to be doing. And and so that, this is an amazing thing, that was 15 years before this. In all these missionary journeys, and now we see that some 15 years ago was the last time that Paul had been to Jerusalem. And when he got there, the brethren received us gladly. Romans 15 and and verse 7, Paul writes about these things also, and he says, Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. I, I, I love that. I I, I spoke with Paul and, and Dwight today, and, and uh, I, th- I think they're excited to be here. They, they love our church. We love them. They're just good guys and, and uh, enjoy the company and, and uh, just enjoy being able to come together and, and welcome them and, and uh, encourage them as, as well as they encourage us. And, and I was telling Brother Dewey about this over in Meeker and telling him the, the, the great time we have with these guys and and uh, I think he's going to come. I think he's going to pack up his family, and they're going to come over for a couple of days. Uh, that's what preachers do. We take a vacation and go here preaching. And so, but I think they're going to come over. And and when they do, you know, we can we can love on them too, and and just let them know that there's a body of believers here that that care for them also. And and what an encouragement that is. I mean, th- this chapter, uh, if if anything, and and we're going to stop with this, but here in, in verse 17, but, but it, and even in verse 18, and the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present, and, and here we see that, that they welcomed them. Oh, how we ought to do the same thing. We, we ought to be encouraging to one another. We, I, I, I was teasing my wife on the way home today, and, and, and I don't know, somebody was driving, you know, like a nodhead, and and she said something, and I just said, I'm walking in the Spirit. You know, just got a smile on my face, and I'm not going to say anything about this person's stupidity today. And so, you know, and just trying to, trying to remember what I've been preaching on Sunday mornings of how to be happy in a dysfunctional world. And one of the ways that, that we can be happy is, is do our best to try to encourage someone else. And when you find that you do encourage them, it encourages you. 
And, and here we see this. And, and they know that they're coming up to a time where of uncertainty. They're not sure what's going to happen to their good friend Paul. I mean, the, the people along the way that had seen Paul were pretty certain this was the last time we're going to see Paul on this side of heaven. They were upset about it, and they were, they were saddened by it. But here, uh, Paul comes in, and he's encouraging them. They're encouraging him, and, and it helps us to serve God. And that is part of this devotion time that we have on a, on a Wednesday night. We can come together, and it's like a family devotion. We sing to God. We take prayer requests. We pray for one another. We take and we study the Bible for a little bit. We hang around and we fellowship with one another and, and we find out more about who we are and, and the needs that we have and, and then we gain that, uh, that friendship that we have and then along the way and knowing that we're struggling with these things, all of a sudden you get a text during the week and you know that somebody in the church is thinking of me. What a joy that is and, a, and an encouragement that is when you get a phone call or, or somebody stops by your house or Somebody just pulls up in the street next to your house and prays for you and then drives on down the street. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that, that are such an encouragement. So let's do that. Let, let's look at encouraging others and, and, and let's look to them and, 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 and help each other. And then I'll end with this. In 3 John, verses 5 through 8, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles, we therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Let us be fellow helpers of the truth. Let's help others. Let's encourage each other. And as we're walking in this wicked world, we find someone that knows Christ. Why do you think Paul always went to those believers? I think he went to, to encourage them, but I think he also went to be encouraged by seeing what God was doing. Let's, let's keep doing that. And let's continue to let God use us and bless us and help those around us as Paul was being used. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that it is. Thank you for the truth that's given to us and Lord, I thank you for Jesus and how he brings us all together and gives us that uh, commonality among all of us. And Lord, I thank you. I pray you bless our church family. I pray you keep us safe, take us home safely, and pray that you bring us back when the doors are open. I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.